Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into the PHNX Coyotes podcast brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe and leave us a five star review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Leah Merrill. It's Monday morning with Craig Morgan and Steve Peters. Craig, you survived your weekend in Las Vegas. How was it? Uh, I enjoyed the All-Star game this year. I, I like, as I said, as, as we talked about on the last podcast, I like some of the events that they they added. I hope they get creative like that in the future. And I've always liked the three-on-three format. It, it's not my dream scenario of having every team there, but it's still exciting, even though I was a little surprised at how low scoring those games were. Yeah. Uh, it, it You know, in a lot of ways, it mimicked the way that three-on-three has evolved in NHL games where teams just hold on to the puck, hold on to the puck. It's all about possession, so it's not as frenetic as it used to be. I would love to see this added. Maybe not for regular season games because then it just gets too gimmicky, but I'd love to see them have, like, a shot clock in three-on-three overtime. Oh. Yeah. You have to get a shot off at a certain amount of time to give up possession. Commissioner Craig Morgan does Literally it again. Every episode, you have <laughs> yeah. a new idea. I love it so. How about much. we get rid of the lines too? No offsides, just let it go. <laughs> oh my god, Wait, I've man. have so many goals ever been called off in a freaking All Star game? Like yeah, goals so I say, under take away review. the lines, Are give a shot kidding? clock when they go, a shot clock when they cl- cross the red, and then take away the blue lines for offsides. I'm in. Cut me in. Love <laughs> it. Do it. Make it happen. Yeah, oh, so no more exciting stories, Craig. You survived. There's nothing that stayed in Vegas that needed to stay in Vegas. No, after the first night out with uh, a few uh, members of the media, I, <laughs> I realized that I cannot keep up anymore. So I, <laughs> I I played it safe the second night in Vegas and then got out of there. I, I did have a nice four-hour stay at the airport, of course, because oh god, it's me. I literally could have, the time that I left the hotel to the time I actually arrived home in the valley, I easily could have made the drive. I would have been home earlier driving. Oh, that's brutal. Live and learn. Yep. Well, that just sounds like the classic end to a weekend in Las Vegas. (laughs) Before you finish it, Clayton Keller was good. Yeah. He was really good. Yeah. He was on the puck a lot. He made offensive plays. I thought he was one of the play, better players on the Central Division team. He made a difference, and good for him. You know, he, he, some of those guys don't get a lot of touches, and he was he was around it all day. So good for Clayton Keller. And then he bailed as soon as he could. Yeah, he got that <laughs> a lot of time. Yeah, well, he only got strike me as a he doesn't strike me as a Vegas kind of guy. He just he just wanted out. He wanted to get back to the Valley, have his day off. He probably went golfing yesterday. Hopefully, he went golfing and got to relax a little bit before uh, they get right back at it today. 
Yeah, he's back at the ice today, so he didn't have much of an all-star break. So you're no. right. He had a rush home. I'm sure he rested and golfed. Let's hope. <laughs> yes, well, the all-star game often stands as the midway point of the season. So there's a lot to look ahead to in the next few months, and that is what we will be looking at today. And starting with something that's happening this week, and I know this is the top of everyone's minds lately, the Arizona Board of Regents is going to discuss the ASU deal on Thursday. Craig, what is involved with that? Well, it's just, I mean, it's basically about the uh, capital improvements that are going on to the arena. That's why the Board of Regents has to get involved. If this were just, oh, the Coyotes want to play in the arena and there's no, no changes that need to be made, then they wouldn't need uh, the Board of Regents to hear this. But because they're putting in uh, an estimated $19.7 million to build out those team areas on the north side of the building, the Board of Regents has to look at this. Um, honestly, I, I think this deal is going through with, with, with all that we've seen. There's no real downside for ASU. You get a $20 million improvement to your facility that you get to keep at no cost to you. You get NHL hockey in your building to raise its profile for three, four years, and then they're gone. So it's a pretty good situation for ASU. You can understand why they they did this. They've always said that this building was going to be, I mean, it's called a multi-purpose facility. It's going to host a lot of different events. This has a chance to bring in a lot of revenue for ASU. Again, they have the improvements, so why not go ahead with this? It makes perfect sense. Obviously, it doesn't make perfect sense to the rest of the league, but it makes sense. <laughs> so for ASU, and, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, as long as they sort out the financial part. I mean, you look at some of the history of you know, finances with, with the NHL club, and you go, okay, as long as they work that out and make sure that that's all sorted out and clean, then I don't see any reason for ASU. It's a win-win-win. You get They walk away, and you got unbelievable facilities that you can host – you know, a final four events, you can not bid the big ones. You know what I mean? The regional final four events, you can have NCAA tournament here. um, You could have a frozen four, right? Yeah. Yeah. Easily have a frozen four, four maiden locker rooms. You could be put put a team in each locker room. Yeah, absolutely. You could. So I think it's a win-win for ASU is um, we'll see what the PA says about it. It is. Yeah. And that's, that's a concern. That's, that's an important uh, point to make here. And I'll, I'll get into that. You mentioned the money. I've been told that the cost of the lease and the cost of the renovations will be paid by the Coyotes up front. That'll be part of the deal. So mm-hmm. the university will not assume any financial risk for this. And that's that's something that a university has to do, right? And when, when they're making this this sort of leap, that they, they have to make sure that they're not on, on the hook for any of these costs. Um, as far as the PA, the Board of Regents posted the document. You can read all the details. It's a public document out there for anybody to see. Uh, I got it on Friday. I put it in my Saturday notebook. Um, one of the things that jumped out to people was, oh, the Coyotes won't be able to play their first home game until December, which is a scary prospect, right? When you think about that possibility, what are you talking about, like a 25? If the season starts in early October, like a 30-game road trip to begin the season, that would be insane. Now, I did have a league source tell me that the NHL's understanding is that they they might be able to host games earlier than that with before the team areas are ready. So there may be a workaround. The question, as you just raised, though, PD, is will the PA sign off on such an agreement if the team areas are not ready at that arena? That's that's part of uh, the discussions that the PA and the league are having right now to try and figure all of this out. But I really do wonder about that. Oi, <laughs> that's all I have to say to that. <laughs> 
Oi. <laughs> exactly. Let's just get past this. Let's fast forward. Yeah. Well, we you mentioned that you expect this deal to go through, but it seems like the Tempe Arena is unlikely to receive a vote before the March 8th ele- election for the Tempe City Council. So is that to say that the new city councilman will come in and then they'll vote on this? Well, that's, I mean, it, it, at least my understanding right now is that there's, there's, it's very unlikely that they're going to vote before the March 8th election. That's, that's only a month away now before I think there are three seats up for grabs now. Um, so th- th- there's a lot of work, a lot of discussion. They, you know, I, I don't know if they finally got the uh, economic benefit assessment from the coyotes at the end of last week. I'm going to check in on that again, but they hadn't received it by the end of January, which was the original uh, uh, timeline where they thought they were going to get it. So if you don't even have that in front of you and then you're you're trying to go through all these details, research everything, explore all the issues or perceived issues like the airport, um, it's going to take a little bit of time. So it, it seems very unlikely that they'd vote before March 8th. But that's where the timeline gets tricky for me because Gary Bettman said at the All-Star Game, he said the the ASU agreement is all predicated on a new building in wherever in the Valley. You know, we're all assuming temp- Tempe, but clearly those timelines aren't going to fall in, in proper order. Like the ASU agreement's going to get done or on the right path prior to the Tempe city council getting this thing locked up. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You get a deal done with ASU to plan to play there for next year. You can't, then the new building falls apart. Now what? So it's going to be interesting to see it's, it's still, we're not there yet. I think we're going the right direction, but I still don't think we're there yet. Yeah. I wonder what, and I don't want to speculate on this now because it's, we we don't know where this is going yet, but if this were to fall apart, what would the league's appetite for, Yet another round of this be, I, I don't know. And Gary hinted at that. Look, this is, this is not going to be, it's not going to be a long-term thing where they, they play at ASU. They, they'd have to have the prospect of another arena. Otherwise we need to revisit this. It, it's, I, I don't want to add ominous tones to that, but I mean, at, with all the coyotes have been through over the past decade plus, you have to wonder if this falls through, What's their patience with the team here and with the ownership group at that point if they can't get this done? Because clearly the Glendale situation didn't end well. Um, you, you can talk about their their decision not to pursue the Coliseum. That's that's complex, and I don't want to necessarily blame them for that, although I did think it was their best option. It was costly, and you know if they don't want to bring the Roadrunners up and they're still committed to Tucson, fine. Then it makes sense doing what they're doing, I guess, in a smaller arena, but – it's just not a good look right now. And if you don't have that carrot at the end that you can dangle anymore, then, I mean, what, what does the league do at that point? I, I just, I don't know what their patience would be after 13 years of this nonsense. That's like the opposite of the wheel of fantasy. It's like the wheel of misery. That's what <laughs> that was. So I don't want I don't want to go there. I don't want to think about that. Um, last piece of arena stuff to talk about. Is there any update on, a practice arena or is there any agreement yet between the coyotes and maybe the ice den or anything like that? Well, the, the, the ice den's official stance is still that it is the practice arena of the coyotes, which is a a weird statement to put out because it's not really, we know it hasn't been for the past few years. Rick Tockett pulled them out of there, you know, for a a number of reasons, mostly I think Petey, you, you would know better than I would, Related to the equipment and training staff, he really cared yeah. about those guys, and it was a lousy situation for them. So it's not really the official practice arena, but I kind of expect it to be their practice arena again in the short term. I don't know 
if they'll put money into that right away to make the improvements or if they'll just deal with the status quo for a year. But I, I expect that to be the place. Oceanside is not going to be an option. The community rink at ASU is not going to be an option. So where else are you going to go? I mean, Arcadia is just decrepit, to be honest. And then the other places are just too far. Yeah, I think the ice den is the solution. And we've said that before. And I, it is the premier facility right now and, and the only option for this team right now. But there is going to have to be some, even at a minimum, some improvements to the physical areas that the Coyotes now use, even on a part-time basis, because they just aren't big enough or up to NHL standards. And it's not the ice den's fault. I mean, the ice den, luckily the ice den found the space they could to put this team in where they are now, but there are things that are, are needed and it's hot, hot tubs, cold tubs, you know, different medical facilities, different training facilities, not the ice itself. And the locker room is fine, but there are those ancillary amenities that players are just accustomed to as part of their everyday life that just don't exist there right now. Um, so I, I think at a minimum, I, I guess what do you drop tractor trailers out in the parking lot? Now you got some storage and now you got some medical facilities. I mean, maybe. Yeah. yeah um, and that's a cost effective way to do it. But I, I do see some level of improvements. It might not be a 10, $10 million improvement. They're going to have to put some money in the ice den. They just are. Yeah. Yikes. Well, we'll continue to follow along with all of the arena news, starting with the news this Thursday um, in the Arizona Board of Regents meeting. Next in the order of events as it's happening, March 21st, which is now only just over a month away, is the NHL trade deadline. And we've been talking about this longer than I think any of us expected to, just given the rumors swirling the last few months, given the fact that before the season started, we were talking about who could potentially be a player traded away from this team. So, Craig, you compiled a list, and on that list, there's six guys who could go. Should we go through each and talk about yeah, why or what the return could be? Or I think we can make this quick hitters at this point because we've talked about all these guys so much already that I don't know that there's anything new to Let, add. Let's Look. just start. Let's start with Jacob Chikrin because I know yeah. that's the one everyone is itching to talk about. So, so Jacob Chikrin, what? What is the likelihood that he is moved? It all depends on the offer. Is Bill Armstrong going to get the offer he wants? If Bill Armstrong budges off that offer, that high ask that he wants for Jacob Chikrin, well, that impacts every deal that he does from here on out down the road. If he's he's like, oh, you know what? I, yeah, JK, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll take less. No problem. Then, then every GM looks at that and says, well, you can always bargain Bill Armstrong down. He's got to hold his ground here. So if he doesn't get that offer, you know, uh, something that they think is requisite return for Jacob Chikrin, that's going to improve the team in the future. It's not going to happen. But I would say this. I think there, there are a lot of teams that are interested. Um, and I I think, and I don't want to, I don't want to make this like Jacob Chikrin has demanded a trade, but I think they are his side is open to a trade and would be happy if he got to a better situation. Because again, as we've said so many times. This is a tough situation for a player to be in at Jacob Chikrin's age. The guys that are coming into their primes are looking at sacrificing, what, three seasons of their prime in a, a, a no-win situation. Not only do you have no chance to play in the playoffs, you're playing at ASU. It, it's not a good situation in Arizona. So I don't blame anybody if they would like a fresh start elsewhere. I just wonder about the ask. 
I agree with Bill Armstrong on the ask that set the market high. You know, the guy knocks on my house door wanting to buy my house. I, yeah, you're going to pay a friggin' premium for it. I'm not trying to sell my house. So if you want it, you're going to pay for it. Same thing applies with Jacob Chicken. If you want them, I'm not trying to get rid of them. I'm not trying to sell them. If you want them, you're going to pay for them. I think he needs to hold his ground. Absolutely agree. My concern now is if if you really want to trade Jacob Chicken because you don't see him as part of the future, I don't know what the other team's scouts are thinking right now. Like You're putting your neck out there if you're going for a guy that's got just a couple of goals and he's minus you know, a lot, <laughs> you're, you're risking yourself. I mean, is, is there a safer play out there than Jacob Chikrin? I know the upside offensively is there, but, but man, term, this guy, right? yeah, it's, it's a great contract for a great term. Yeah. And is a scout and a general manager willing to put his neck on the line and go, okay, yeah, I think this will turn around because if you acquire that player for all of those assets and he doesn't become the player you want him to be, Oh boy, you just traded a lot of your future away. So I don't know. I, I, you look at the, the UFA defensemen and, and are there other people out there for short term? You know, maybe, you know, does a, does a Josh Manson, does Dallas become a seller and, and John Klingberg become available? You know, mm-hmm. Calvin DeHaan in Chicago, is it, can he fit? None of those guys are Jacob Chikrin, but you won't They're have to rentals. They're yeah. all rentals and you won't have to give up a one, uh, you know, a, a former one, a prospect and a player to get those things. You you know, second, third round picks you're going to get into. So I think there's going to be a risk reward for these other teams. Will Jacob Chicken really demand that based on the season he's had? Yeah, we talked about how there's the market's going to be flooded. So you'll have options. And I know they're not the same situation as Chicken because he has the term left. But if a GM gets a little like hinky or the scouts say, hey, I, I don't know if we want to give up all that for a guy who's, not having a great season. You're yeah. right, Petey. There, there are other options, safer options. Well, you have to give Bill Armstrong credit because he held his ground with the Darcy Kemper trade. So, and Christian you know, DeVore. Yeah. So I, from a fan perspective, I have trust in Bill Armstrong that he'll make the right decision on this one. Um, next on the list, and this is no surprise to anyone, Phil Kessel. <laughs> I mean, this has kind of been a given since before the season even started. Where do you guys see him fitting? I mean, I don't, I don't know. He can help a team on a power play. He's playoff. Phil has been really good in the past. So he's got a really good resume in the postseason. So you might look at that alone and say, okay, just for the, you know, the one month left of the regular season in the playoffs, it's worth bringing Phil Kessel on board. Again, the coyotes, the coyotes would love to get a second round pick for Phil Kessel. I'm not sure they're going to get a second round pick. That's, that's what they'd love to get. I mean, Maybe they'll get a third round pick for Phil Kessel. Is that enough? Maybe so. Maybe. maybe well, they're just gonna take to, it, right? They have. Yeah, to you got to move him on. You got to get something for him because he's walking away at the end of the year. Yeah, and, and again, he's another one to me that's interesting because how much did I don't want to say disrupt your room because you're not. He's not a locker room guy, but he's a he's a powerful personality that wants ice time. And where is he going to fit? I don't know if it's. I'm not sure where that team is. I think it's going to be a team that's right on that bubble. That, that that's right now is probably six, seven, eight, or nine that needs a little bit more depth in their offense. I don't think it's going to be the teams that are one, two, three. I think you're looking at a cap hit at about 6.8 million. I think you're going to see the guys, the, the teams that are fighting to get in to take a chance on a guy for depth scoring. So that's a good point too, that you brought up just right there with a cap hit. That that's one of the problems that the Coyotes are sitting in. You, you are allowed to maintain a maximum of three salaries, right? They have two already. 
with Oliver ekman Larson and uh, Darcy Kemper. So you can only take on one more. Do you want to use that up, moving Phil Kessel, if a team says, hey, we need we need help with this salary? I, that That's something to watch as well. That could factor into any deals that the Coyotes make at the deadline. I do not envy the people who have to figure out that side of it, but maybe that's just because I'm not a math person. Um, okay, a couple more names to run through here. Um, one, Johan Larson, which now I feel like because of his injury and his surgery and the timeline, we had talked about it in a previous episode that him opting to have a surgery with an possible, what was it, eight-week recovery? It's eight weeks, yeah, which yeah. would put him back by the end of March. So the thing that I would say about Larson is he's a really attractive player for a lot of reasons. Really good defensive player. He plays center. You're always looking for center depth. The guy can sustain a forecheck. And he was really coming on before he made this decision to have surgery on a, a groin problem that he'd been having for a while, but it, it extended up and became a sports hernia. So here's what I'd say about that. If Johan Larson is on track for that eight-week timeline and by the time the deadline rolls around, teams can check in and say, hey, is he close? Is Does it look like he is coming back? If it looks like he's going to be okay, teams may still – Take a flyer on Johan Larson because I think he can help them. It's going to be all about his recovery at this point because you don't want to hear, oh, he had a setback, so we don't even know if he's going to be able to contribute for us. And the difference with Johan Larson that we're talking about with Phil Kessel is that his cap hit is $1.4 million. It's, yep. it's very palatable for most teams. And he's a guy at 29 years old. You could probably sign at a reasonable number for the following year. He's a depth centerman that plays a lot of different roles. You're not going to d- demand a second-round pick for Johan Larson. He's going to be a maybe a four, even, um, a fourth-round pick. So... Yeah, or a, I think or they're a prospect, right? Maybe or a like prospect. A yeah, or a, prospect. yeah, mid-level prospect that you can get somebody that can actually, you know, play or even play in Tucson because you need to fill contracts, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, I think he's he's going to be one that can be moved because he fills so many roles, and it's a it's going to be a minor deal. It's not going to be a blockbuster, but right. but he's a guy that can help somebody. Um, okay, a couple more names, and I'll just put three of them out, and you can touch sure. on whichever part. Uh, Travis Boyd, Riley Nash, Antoine Roussel. The first two, to me, they play center. They're versatile players. Um, They can help you. Tampa Bay didn't even want to lose Riley Nash, so you could see them getting some sort of asset back for those guys. Travis Boyd's obviously had a a really surprising season and proven that he can play in this league. Roussel brings toughness. He brings grit. Everybody knows what Antoine Roussel brings at this point, so he might be the type of guy that you want to add as a depth player at the deadline. Of those three players, I think you probably nailed it, Craig. You're looking at Riley Nash, Travis Boyd will be one, two. Um, Travis Boyd, to me, he's 28 years old. He's having his best best offensive year of his career right now. His his number is extremely low. He's under a million dollars on his cap hit. You can re-sign him, and again, a reasonable number. The Antoine Roussel, he's 32 years old, $3 million cap hit. He's not as quick and fleet of foot as he used to be. I think he is less likely um, yeah. to be a piece at the trade deadline. Uh, I would put of those three, I'd put Travis Boyd is the most likely just because you've seen his offensive output increase this year. And at 28, maybe there's another year of that left. For sure. Um, all right. A couple more names. It's crazy how many, this is a selling team, but uh, Ryan Dezingle and Ilya Labushkin. Both UFA. So you look at the possibility there, but you're not going to get much in return for either one of those guys. Uh, th- having said that, they're not on prohibitive contracts. So if, if you're if you're thinking that these guys aren't a part of, part of your future and you can get anything for them, you do it. Um, yeah, the, the, that, if you get an offer on anything, you'll take it. 
Yeah, for sure. You're not. You're not going. Ilya Labushkin has not had the year that you expected him to have. You're talking about his is adding physical elements to the game. You just haven't seen it consistently from him. Dzingles, he adds speed and some offense when he's in the lineup. He just hasn't been in it enough, and he's been injured a couple of times this season. So we'll see. All right, and then last few from this list: uh, Anton Strawman, Louis Erickson, and Jay Beagle. Yeah, Beagle's hurt. That's not going to happen. Strawman and Erickson are on prohibitive contracts. I mean, Andrew Ladd has term left on his contract too. So I, I don't see any of those guys going anywhere because nobody can take on those cap hits. No. Well, we will once again keep tabs on that just over a month to go till the NHL trade deadline. But, you know, it's not in a month and is this weekend is the Super Bowl. Wow. <laughs> and. How about that one? And uh, the moment we've been waiting for since September. It's finally here in honor of the big game. DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. If you're not a new customer, you can experience Super Bowl 56 with same game parlays so you can combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. And my favorite thing about the Super Bowl that's really cool is you can bet on literally everything from the length of the national anthem to the coin toss if it's going to be heads or tails. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, We're going to be doing some fun stuff for PHNX on the Super Bowl. So stay tuned for that on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. Um, So if you're a new customer, sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code PHNX. Get 56 to 1 odds. Bet $5 and get 280 in free bets. If your team wins, that's 21 and over. Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. All right. After the NHL trade deadline, expanded rosters go into effect. What does that mean? (laughs) It means that that you can basically bring up as many guys as you want for the rest of the season to give them NHL experience, you know, get them around, get around, around that atmosphere. Um, I, the impact to me on the Tucson Roadrunners is minimal at this point because you've had so many call-ups already that the Roadrunners have tanked and they're not making the playoffs either in the AHL. So you got to decide what's best, right? Um, do you want them down there playing games and developing in Tucson or do you want them around this atmosphere? And I'm going to just turn this one over to Phoenix so much more. But this is a tough one, and this is a tough one because both teams, usually you'd like to see one team excelling, and I I think we all thought the Roadrunners were going to have a little better season statistically in the standings. I think their players have performed well when they've been called up, so they're doing their job from the development side. Where is the benefit for these guys? And, And you talked about, when you talked about the trade deadline, you looked at how many players they have under contract for next season. Some of these guys are going to have to play next year unless they fill another 12, 13, 14 spots on this roster. So you have to go down. Does Matias Michelli, does he get reps in the National Hockey League against that speed, against that competition in games that really don't matter? Um, for They don't matter down in Tucson. And we talk about how developing in Tucson and playing on a winning team is important. Well, they're not. They're probably <clears throat> outside of the playoffs. So get him here. Get him his reps. Put him with NHL players. Put him in situations where he can succeed and just let him go. Okay. This is what it is. This is this is what it's like. And I think you've seen with J.J. Mosier, especially, he fits in. Like, he can play. Let him get some reps in. So I think there are players that I think you will see 
on that expanded roster only because of the openings that are going to be created by the trade deadline. Mm. If you could keep all those guys together down in Tucson and go, okay, they're on a roll. Let's let Michelli get his, you know, 20 minutes a game power play. He can do that in the NHL. Playoffs, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. let's let him do it in the NHL. I, I think yeah. you will see some of those guys get touches, especially if you see two, three, four guys leave this roster. I think you'll see Michelli's my number one offensively and JJ Moser on the back end. And Victor Soderstrom will be a close second on the back end. Michelli's the guy that I think of more than anyone because he, you know, he he got the call up and then he got COVID. Oh, that was <laughs> tested positive. So he didn't even get a chance. So he more than anyone, I think, will get that chance to like you said, play against NHL speed because that's the real test for him right now. Can you play not just the the skating pace, but the entire pace of the game? Can you adjust to this? He's adjusted really well to the AHL game. Now can you just get a taste of this and and get a sense of what it's like? Because I still think he's going to be back there next season. I think it's best for his development to be back there for one more season, but get a lengthy taste of it so you know what you have to work on for the future. But it also gives you that carrot. It gives you that carrot of, hey, oh, shit, this is what it's like. This is how they train. This is how they travel. This is the kind of hotels they stay in. This is what the day-to-day life in the National Hockey League is like. It's different than the American League. It just is. It, and if you can give him a taste of it to go, okay, that's how these guys make it in this league. They work harder. They, I better get ready over the summer. I've had a taste of it. I'm going to train harder. I know what to improve on in my game. I think it gives him a better opportunity to come into training camp next year as a better player. And that, that you know, is that Yannick? Is is that, you know, Ben McCartney, J.J. Moser, Soderstrom, Kalia Chonak? Do you give everybody a little taste to go, oh, shit, I need to work harder if I want to do this every day. This is hard. Maybe. And I think you're you're afforded that luxury right now because neither team looks like they're going to make the playoffs. So I think that that, that I think you're right, Craig. I think you do give them a taste. Here's what it's like. You want to play here? You better get your ass in gear over the summer because this is hard. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. And I think it'll be cool, you know, as the team, I predict, will be demolished at the trade deadline. (laughs) It'll be a cool opportunity for fans to see players who could be a part of the Coyotes future long term. So we we need a new graphic of with Bill, the builder of like him with a jackhammer. Yeah, it's getting serious now. It really is. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, possibly the most important date on the calendar is Deep Breath, everybody. The draft lottery. It is just this is the thing that the coyotes, the fans, everyone has been looking toward this entire season. This is gonna be the beacon of hope. The draft lottery, man. Will, I mean, will fortune finally smile on the Coyotes who have never had a top two pick? Not just the number one; they've never had a top two pick. Do you remember when he, when we had Arpin Basu on the on the show and we said that, and he was like, "Whoa, is that true? I can't believe that." With where yeah. they've been in the standings, right? Exactly. <clears throat> it's hard to believe that this team has never had a, a top two pick. And when you look at all the failings of the Coyotes in the past, all their struggles. You can, you can point to a lot of other things that we've discussed, you know, being in Glendale, ownership, money. This is as big as any one of those things. If you get that guy at the top of your lineup, everything filters down from there. And I'm not saying Shane Wright is going to be Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid. I don't think he's that level, but he could be a number one center. And they haven't, PD. Who's their last num- legitimate number one center? Who's the last? Honestly, one? I, I, Jeremy Roenick. Jeez. 
That's that's <laughs> what I've always said. That's what I've always said. But I wanted to hear it from. I mean, coach. is it Marty Hansel? Is it Antoine Vermette? No, no. They're nice players. We like them, and I, and don't, <laughs> don't diminish their abilities in the league because they're really good players. Yeah. But you know, Redeem Ravada was the that line with Whitney Ravada and Hansel. That was the number one line at, at times when it, the, the the twelve run and, and Hansel's. <laughs> I really like Marty Hansel. He's not that. No. It, so I don't know when it's been. And you thought, you know, was Barrett Hayden going to fill that role at one point? You know, Clayton Keller was drafted as a center and he's moved to the wing. You've moved so many, so many guys to the wing. I, I, I don't know who it is, Craig, if it's not JR, I don't know who it is. Yeah. And on the Barrett Hayden note, by the way, if, if they were to get a guy like a Shane Wright or a Connor Bedard next season, Hey, maybe the guy just can win the lottery two years in a row. Yeah, wow. Right. Yeah, now, we're, now we're really spinning the wheel of fantasy. But if they get one of those guys and you can – listen, I, I know people are looking at Barrett Hayton and saying he's, he's not going to be that number one center that we we drafted him to be, is he? Maybe not. But can Barrett Hayton slot in as a number two or a number three even? Like imagine Barrett Hayton as your number three center. He's a really responsible player, a good two-way player. I think he could be really effective in that role. And the way the NHL is constructed now, your top nine, it's really important that you're still getting contributions from those guys. I'd be okay with that if that happens, if they get a, a Shane Wright or a Connor Bedard at the top of the lineup and then uh, Barrett has to slot in lower. You're looking for a true number one center and you're looking for center depth. It's so important to success in the NHL. Yeah, this the, the draft lottery day is going to set the tone for the future of this franchise for the next five, six, seven years. And you hate to put that much pressure on ping pong balls, but unfortunately, it's the reality. And you talk about the players you can acquire. I don't know if it's the next Sidney Crosby, McKinnon, McDavid. I don't know. But I tell you what, it's, it's going to put this team on the right path. And you talk about Barrett Hayton, where he slots in. Barrett Hayton's an NHL player. Is, is he going to be... He was drafted at five. Is he going to pan into the guy that you pick at five? I, I don't know, but he's an everyday NHL player. And if you have him in your three hole, you're going, okay, we got a good team. If Barrett Hayton's yep. playing in the three, good. He's responsible. He can win draws. He can play both sides of the puck. He can be on our secondary power play. And guess what? You need third line players to win a cup too. It's not all top six. You better have a pretty damn good bottom six. So I think it's it's getting that lottery luck and then it's filling the pieces around the players that you have. And then somehow miraculously getting at a good goaltender and then filling in the last third, fourth line, fifth, sixth defenseman and getting a little bit of magic. But it starts in April so with the ping pong balls. Looking ahead to the draft then, and we'll get to the logistics of the draft in a moment, but just in terms of the picks that the Coyotes have, eight right now, and this is before the trade deadline, so who knows what the Coyotes are going to acquire. Um, eight picks just in the first two rounds. This is the most complete scouting of staff the Coyotes have had in franchise history. What is going to be the priority? And you mentioned centers. Like, how many centers do you go for? Like, what is the order of importance? What is the priority here for those picks in the first two rounds? Listen, every GM will tell you, you pick the best player available. And, and that's true. They'll say, we don't, you don't draft for need. You got to take the best player on the board because not only can those guys you know, you got to go with your projections and maybe they'll help you. But those guys can become assets too that you can use for other moves down the road. So you want the best player available. Having said that, I think it's a little bit of a fib because I still think you put a priority on premium positions. If you can draft your center position, you can draft your defensive position. Those are the positions you're looking to really strengthen because those, 
they're, they're just critical. You can say goaltending is critical too, but I mean, the goaltending is such a crapshoot in the draft because they take so long to develop that often you don't know what you have in a 17 year, 18 year old goaltender. So I still, I, I think both of those things are major factors, best player available, but you want to look at premium positions. Yeah, I agree. And you, this team needs a centerman. You've said it before. We've said it for year, year, year. They need a centerman. So hopefully, when you say the best player, hopefully that best player just happens to be a centerman. Let's hope so for this team's sake. And and as far as goaltenders go, man, if you're going to pick a goalie in the higher rounds, you better be right. Because yep. you look at the teams that, that win cups, and you're right. There are some. You know, Marc-Andre Fleury was drafted by his team. But there are a lot of instances where you can pick up a goaltender that's more mature, more in his prime. You just can't make a mistake when a guy's 18 or 19 in the net. And that's a position that I think just takes longer to develop. That's my personal opinion. I think you can get a good goaltender in later rounds and still develop that player. Well, also at his press conference at the all-star game um, over the weekend, Gary Bettman, I guess expressed some frustration would be the way to summarize it at Canada and, and the, uh, protocol put in place due to COVID and how strict it's been. And he kind of called into question if the draft would even end up being held in Montreal. What do we know about that? My read on that, if you saw Bill Daly said we might have to go to a virtual draft and then Gary Bettman said we might have to move it. That felt like a shot across the bow to me. I, I don't think the NHL wants to move the draft from Montreal and I think they'll do everything they can to keep it there. But they're also saying, Look, guys, you want this huge marquee event, this this signature event for the league, and you're letting 500 people into your arena right now. And and listen, you can't. There are government restrictions that they're going to make their own decisions based on their own health advice. But the NHL wants this marquee event to be well attended. So if if you haven't changed much by the time we get to the draft in July, and that's a long time. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it it, it takes a lot to plan a draft and to move it to a new venue. That's a monumental task that's going to take a while to do. So at some point, they need to make that determination. And it's not this summer. They need to make that determination a lot earlier. And I still think I still think with Bill, what Bill said is probably the likely scenario. If Montreal doesn't host it, they'll probably go virtual again. But I think they really want to host it in Montreal and have it well attended. And Montreal is going to have a high pick. So if you're the franchise and the organization, <laughs> wouldn't you want it there too? Good so. point. Yeah, maybe the number one pick, right? Can you imagine maybe. that? Imagine that if Montreal wins the draft lottery and then the NHL pulls the the, the draft out of Montreal. Ooh. Yeah. And to your point, Craig, logistically to put this thing on at a venue, it's a massive undertaking. Like there's there are so many meetings that go on within this you know, whether there's general managers meetings, there's coaches meetings at different facilities. There's, there is so much going on around the draft to just go, okay, you know what? We're going to move it to Phoenix that we're going to put it in Dallas, St. Louis, Chicago to move it to another city is massive. And to find that much hotel space and banquet space and meeting space. So you're right. They're going to wait as long as they possibly can. But unfortunately, if it does get the pin pulled on it, I'm, I don't see how it's not virtual. I just don't. I mean, it's just, it's too massive an event to try to move it to another city in this time frame. They're going to wait as long as they can, and then they're going to have to do it that way, I think. That would be very disappointing. But again, all of these things we're talking about. We can all go to Craig's house. He looks like he's got the room for us. We'll, <laughs> we'll, have, a, we'll have a draft party in Gilbert in your backyard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> At the Morgan house. No? 
It's coming. Okay. We're, yeah. we're going to have a PHNX party here at least, but we got we got some improvements to make on the house. I, I didn't tell you about the uh, roof leak that we developed. So, oh no, no. looking at adding oh. a whole new roof in stages. Oh, no. So that'll be fun. Eh, we've been oh, in the Lord. house long enough. You expect it. So you oh, be no. back oh, on boy. topic. <laughs> well, yeah, what I was going to say is there's so much stuff right now that is out of control that we don't know about, but something you can control is you're eating healthy and and getting the nutrients you need every day and we have a new sponsor athletic greens um it's a product that i've been using i started taking athletic greens because it's just one easy way to get all the vitamins and nutrients and minerals that i need in my day just in one drink in the morning right away and then i don't have to worry about it so with one delicious scoop of athletic greens you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. It's a no-brainer. It supports mental clarity and alertness. It's recommended by professional athletes. It's cheaper than getting all the supplements yourself. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com coyotes. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash coyotes to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. I had mine this morning, Petey. Still sticking with it? Yeah, I'm 54. Anything I can do to improve my health (laughs) and my gut health. My wife's been trying to get me to do it for years. And and let's not kid ourselves. This isn't like getting up and having a bowl full of sugar in the morning. It's not like, hey, this is happy (laughs) You know, it, it it's it's good for you, and that's why we drink it, right? Chris? Yeah, exactly it makes right. us better exactly and right. healthier, and it is a hell of a lot easier than doing all that other shit. It's so easy. It's literally it just easy. a scoop of water, a scoop in the water, shake it yep. up, drink it, done, done Carry with it, move on. on. This is how I start every day. Start every day that way, bang, knock and it if down. If you want to look as good as Craig, <laughs> <laughs> it's the key to success, oh, buddy. Buddy, the COVID <laughs> years, the COVID years, we'll be talking about these. <laughs> I mean, back the head on Craig Morgan. Oh, no. <laughs> trying, trying to find the old Craig Morgan somewhere inside this guy. Where is he? <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well, after the draft is an NHL free agency. And I think this is going to be a crazy one. It's still so far away, but the Coyotes have 20 players under contract. The limit is 50. Is that and a the problem? The need is for mid 40s. How do they get there? And especially given everything we've talked about today, the arena situation, even playing in ASU, the temporary spaces, is there going to be an arena down the line? How do you attract people to come play here? What? How are they going to do this? This is a huge undertaking. Here's the thing. You're not looking to add high-level free agents over the next couple seasons, not even probably mid-level free agents over the next couple seasons. The, the Coyotes are in rebuild mode. So you don't have to worry about that side of it. But when you're playing in a sub-5,000 seat arena, probably is what it's going to be. We don't know the exact capacity once they get in there and figure everything out. But even, a, I don't know, PD, does a low-level free agent want to come and play in this situation? And then uh, you hope that by that point we have some resolution on the Tempe Arena as well because then that that adds another wrinkle to a free agent's decision. Does a low-level free agent, a guy who's just looking for a job, another 
you know, to extend his NHL career, are they are they willing just to do anything at that point, or is this a consideration? You see, what's interesting to me is when you go back and look at look at the forwards they have for next year that are under contract. They have three of them. They have Clayton <laughs> Keller, Nick Schmaltz, and Andrew Ladd. They have three forwards under contract. That's it. Yeah. So here's a couple of things that are going to happen. I do believe that at the trade deadline and over the summer, I think Bill Armstrong is going to try to pull on some pull some moves similar to what he did last year, pulled some dead contracts, get some bad money on board to pull some guys away from teams that need to get some cap space. So we're talking the moves, you know, he did with Vancouver, you know, Florida to get some dead money away. The Andrew Ladd deal. I would Even not Shane be surprised. Yeah, there'll be, a, there'll be the opportunity to get two or three more of those type of players. Then to Craig's point, what's next? Well, you don't need and or want those high end free agents right now because you're not, you're still in the rebuild. So you don't want to spend the money and you don't really need that to fill your roster out. Can you get a guy that's, that's going, Hey, I can go to the KHL and make X or I can stay in the NHL for one more chance. Yeah, I think you do get those guys. I think, I think the allure of, of the the competition and hey i'll prove i belong in this league this will be my last chance i am going to prove it in arizona yeah it's in front of five thousand fans but it's still in the national league and everybody's going to be able to see me every night and so yeah i think you'll get that guy but he's going to be there for himself to, to improve himself so that maybe he can advance his career in another location yeah i think that'll happen they'll, they'll fill the roster i mean guys want to play in the national hockey league. they just do Another important point when when looking at that roster number, you know, you hear 20 and you're like, oh, my God, they have to more than double that because, you, I mean, not, not every team has 50 guys under contract, but it's at least like 46 to make this workable with the AHL and the NHL. They do have a dozen or so RFAs as well. So they've got cost control and they've got control of those players. So when you add those guys on now, now you're over 30. So it, it becomes less daunting at that point to try and add the players. Like you said, they take on some bad contracts. They sign some guys that are looking to prolong their careers. They can probably get there. But it's it's not like this is an easy offseason for Bill Armstrong. This is this is some heavy lifting to get all of this done. Not just Bill Armstrong, too. They you know, the entire staff, the entire hockey ops staff that that looks at contracts. So you're, you're talking about your your cap guys as well, uh, your guys who analyze, you know, the different players out there and what the best fits are. There's a lot of work to be done this summer. Yeah, when you talk about the RFAs too, I mean, there's some guys that are going to be back, like Barrett Hayton's an RFA. You got um, Ivan Prozvatov. The, you, Lawson Kraus. Lawson Kraus. Lawson yeah. Kraus. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of these guys, you know. I, so you probably list another five, six. Cam Deneen's only 23 years old. Do you give him another contract? Probably. Dyson Mayo. Yeah, Dyson Mayo. So th- there's there's five, six guys, I think, that, that will be included in that. You've still got a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think a lot of these RFAs, I think they'll be, they're reasonable contracts. I think they can sign them for a reasonable amount that they still like and want to have in the organization. So I think you're going to sign another five, six of those, six of those RFAs will be automatic. I mean, we talked about the goaltending here. Karel Vamelka is an RFA. Yep. So what, what happens with him? Scott Wedgwood's a UFA. So they, they got to have goalies and does either one of those guys get signed? I, I don't know. I, we'll see. Yeah, depends if you get Spencer Knight and the Jacob Chickren trade, right? Oh, <laughs> Put Did on you your tinfoil hats. Uh, spin the wheel again. Uh, <laughs> we had to go, Craig. Yeah. We're getting oh Spencer Knight God. in that trade. I like it. Wow. Go, Craig. There's a fun one. Well, Craig all for of... commissioner and GM. Oh, my God. Craig playing all the roles. Well, all of these storylines that we mentioned will continue to follow be... and you can get coverage, in-depth coverage on all of those at gophnx.com. Become a member, get access to all of the incredible stories from Craig, from the other writers. 
You can get a shirt when you sign up. Um, you can check out the PHNX Walker. There's a ton of great merchandise in there. The Coyotes shirt. We always love it to, you know, like that. There's one positive for this team right now is the PHNX Coyotes merch is incredible. So check that out as well. Craig, what do you have coming up on the website this week? Anything you can tease? Mm, well, there's a lot of stuff happening on the arena front. So yeah. there you go. That's I'll all be, you need to know. I'll be paying attention to that. And then people seem interested in that based on past experience. So yeah. <laughs> well, yes. Follow along with that. Become a member at gophnx.com. And then continue to follow along on Twitter at phnx underscore coyotes. You can follow Craig at Craig S. Morgan. That's where a lot of the quick hitting information will be coming. So check that out. Anything before we go? The maple syrup thing we're still talking about. Don't I don't want you to think we forgot about it. We'll probably just, do it the week. That's almost like the no arena game. deal. Just that, like, did you it. see that, Craig? Did you see the conditions in the Discord? Like this is literally getting to be like an arena deal. Like subsection two, paragraph one. <laughs> just drink the syrup. Do you like it or not? I don't know. I think it's easier than that. But all I all I'm envisioning <laughs> is and by the way, uh I think part of this, we're gonna we're gonna lay this rule out right now, as long as we're talking about rules. It won't be Leah who is applying the log cabin syrup oh, to whatever no. she's eating. It'll be me. And I'm imagine tipping that giant log cabin bottle oh! upside down and just squeezing it. Squeezing it. We're gonna nightmares. we're gonna drown it in log cabin. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Well <laughs> Leah can't wait. And I, you know what? Yeah. We gotta go back to work again. They're gonna start playing again. For just a, just just a minute though, right? They just have three games. Yeah, so three games this week. So we'll have post game shows Tuesday and Wednesday, 8 p.m. games. Woohoo! What? PHNX yes. after dark. <laughs> Starting with the Canucks and Connor Garland, uh, Canuck Connor Garland for now. Wow. Yeah. So Poor his guy, first matchup against again. his old club. Yep. We, oh, he could I be on the move. Was... Could be on the move again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Eight o'clock starts, really? Yep. And it's... then so we Friday. Have this time. When is daylight savings, by the way? I never know until like two days before March. it happens. Yeah. Think, okay. Um, so and, we got another month of this. Mm. Yeah. And I think Friday's game is at 730. So <laughs> we'll have post game shows um, those three days. And then Thursday, we're actually going to have an additional live show. And we have a special guest. Should we reveal who that special guest is? Sure. Or should we? Okay. It's, it, it's Zach Lean from uh, Jimmy E. World, the drummer. He's coming in studio. And we're not going to give away much of what we're going to talk about, but he's an Arizona sports fan. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the band's upcoming tour, and we might talk about gold songs. Yes, definitely. So tune in for that one. That'll be Thursday morning here on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed or not here, we're not live. Sorry. On the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. I'm so used to just being live. Um so check that out if you haven't already. Please like, subscribe, leave a review for this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's super helpful to us. And uh, we will see everyone late tomorrow night after the game. Have a good Monday and we'll see everyone tomorrow.